Thank you for listening to Sermon Podcasts from the Anglican Church Noosa. We are looking at one of our core values being mission-shaped. And this sermon is from Mike Upton, Regional Officer of the Queensland and Northern New South Wales Branch of the Bush Church Age Society, preached at Tawantan. It comes from Matthew, chapter 25, verses 31 to 46, and can be found in your pew Bibles on page 994. Matthew 25, 31 to 46. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people, one from another, as a sheep. Shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on the right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger or invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go and visit you? And the king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. And they also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty, or a stranger or needing clothes, or sick or in prison and didn't help you? And he will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. Great to be here. Uh, so that's my name. Uh, I'm the regional officer for Bush Church Aid Society. And um, I look... <laughs> It's really wonderful to be here with uh, Ralph and Sylvia uh, and with Chris as well. Um, uh, as Ralph said, that we first met them back in Cooperoo and I want to say to you, you are in very good hands uh, whilst Chris and Linda are away. Um, Sandra and I didn't have a good experience when we first came up here uh, from um, New South Wales, uh, but as soon as we walked into the church at Cooperoo, it felt like home and that was in a great part due to those two people, so... We will be forever grateful to God for them. 
Uh, I want to do a number of things uh, today, but the main thing is to say thank you. Uh, in, uh, on many fronts and in as many languages as you can um, understand. Uh, and if you remember nothing else from what I've said, uh, go away hearing me say thank you for, uh, thank you for supporting the Collings. Uh, I'll talk a little bit more about them later on, but thank you for your support in prayer for Luke and Julia uh, and Bede and Tabitha and Silas. Thank you for your support of BCA as we reach out to our Indigenous brothers and sisters and work with them to try and help other Indigenous people around this country know and love the Lord Jesus. Thank you too for your support of Chris and Linda. Uh, you may not uh, realise it, but they play an important leadership role across our diocese and uh, I and many others are thankful for them and the role that they play. So thank you for caring for them. Some of you may not know much about BCA, so I'm going to give you some quick facts. Uh, and they're very small, so I don't know why they're very small. They're not small on my screen here, but anyway. Um, but let me go through them. Um, so BCA is a mission agency. So we partner with churches to put gospel workers into our focus is rural and remote Australia. We've been doing that for over 104 years. So the first point says we've been going the distance to reach Australia for Christ for over 104 years. Uh, our focus as a mission agency is on rural and remote Australia. So we want to get gospel workers out into uh, places where maybe they can't afford gospel workers. And so one of our catch cries over many years has been what was the title of our centenary book. And that's the third point there, never too far, never too few. And that basically means that as God's church, we have got to be committed to no matter how far it is, if a group of people wants to meet around the Lord's table, wants to meet in a connect group, wants to hear the Bible read, wants to pray, wants to sing, whatever, if they want to do that and they want someone to lead and guide them, then we as God's church have got to figure out how to do that. There is nowhere that is too far, nor is there a group of people that is too small for us to want to do that for them. So we won't say petrol's $2.35 a litre, it's going to take me a lot of money to get out there, you're not worth it. <clears throat> never too far, never too few. So that's what BCA's been doing, focusing on that for over 104 years. At the moment, we've got around 40 field staff or missionaries around our country, uh, anywhere from Norfolk Island in the east to Exmouth in the west, from Darwin up north to uh, the southern beaches of Hobart. And they're all in different roles. Now, so we do have some clergy, we have school chaplains, we have RI teachers in schools, we have people who coordinate chaplains and RI teachers, we've got uh, people working in training Indigenous men and women, uh, we've got others who uh, are evangelists in parishes, uh, we've got others who are working in administration uh, in rural and remote areas. So lots of different types uh, of roles, if you like, but all under that umbrella of rural, remote and being gospel workers. Uh, if you do want more information, then up the back uh, on the little table, you'll see some information packs. Please take one of those. Lots of stuff in there for you to read, but you'll come to understand BCA uh, a lot more than I can give you in these few minutes. Uh, or you can talk to me at morning tea uh, or talk to Sandra, my wife, who's here with me, um, and we can give you some idea. If you want to um, support BCA, 
There are a number of ways you can do that. I want to say the main way you can support BCA is to pray. Uh, So please do that. Um, In the information packs, there's a prayer diary. You can pray for a different field staff every day of each month. Uh, So pray for our field staff. Sometimes God uses us as the answer to our prayers. I don't know if you've ever realised that. When you say, Lord, please help the missionaries and make sure they've got food on the table tonight. And God goes, you do that. Go, okay. So I'm not only praying now, I'm giving or I'm caring or sending or I'm going to encourage them where they are. All of those things. But the foundation of it all is prayer. So please pray. If you do want to give, uh, there are a number of ways to do that. We do have Christmas cards. So you can buy some Christmas cards up the back uh, for $5. If you want the pack that the crow got at Sunshine Beach and chewed some big holes in, I can sell you that at a premium. Um, that, was, that was fun, uh, watching the crow do that. Uh, so anyway, all of that's to say, these are things that you can do. But let me tell you what God is doing in response to your prayer. God is at work. So this couple, uh, uh, Daniel and Jenny Avenel, Daniel and Jenny have just been appointed to Emerald Blackwater and uh, the parish out there. And I know uh, some years ago I was told at Sunshine Beach that this this parish went up to Blackwater uh, with Mark. So uh, some of you will know Blackwater very well. So they've been without a minister, uh, Emerald been without a minister for two years, Blackwater longer than that. Um, So Daniel and Jenny uh, are an answer to prayer, not in the time that I would have thought. I mean, if I was God, I would have done it last year, right? But... For some reason, he's, he's left it till now. But we're thankful that in response to your prayers, God has sent Daniel and Jenny out to uh, Emerald and Blackwater. Um, the other thing that, another thing that God is doing, so you may not be able to see this too clearly, but that's the community church at Lightning Ridge. And um, I want to say that God is at work there. This is a, a service two weeks ago. Uh, they had over 60 people. It was a youth service. Um, 60 people of visitors and locals. But the most exciting thing was that at that service, two young teens from Lightning Ridge gave their life to the Lord. Uh, it was just... And Kurt and Beck, who were there, are just excited by what God is doing in Lightning Ridge. The other thing they have every week is what's called a, a Bible discovery group. They call it their disco group. And um, they get together with people who are non-Christians, about 8 to 12, and they read a Bible story and then they each person has to retell it or tell some aspect of it, and then they talk about what it means. Now, this is eight to ten people who don't believe, but are prepared to come along and do that. Uh, And they've been doing it regularly, and Kurt and Beck are praying, and I'd ask you to pray that some of these people would commit to Jesus, that the Spirit would work in their hearts so that they understand. So it's exciting. Lots of things happening. Uh, That's only two examples. Lots of other things happening around the country. One thing I'd specifically like you to pray for is uh, Luke and Julia at uh, Moranbar and uh, Clermont. Luke and Julia have been there for six years at Moranbar. Uh, they've decided that they would like to be closer to family uh, who, down, who are down in New South Wales. And so they have let BCA know that they are moving towards that. Uh, we don't know when and we don't know where they're going uh, and that doesn't mean that they're not 100% committed to ministry in Moranbar, but your prayers would be valued for God to lead them to the right place where they can care for their ageing parents uh, and their siblings 
but also in their, in, in their mind, care for their kids too and give their kids uh, a little bit of a different uh, experience in life. So please pray for that uh, and pray for them. They, they're not, you know, who knows when it will be, um, but uh, your prayers would be, would be valued for that. And pray for the bishop. Um, Luke is working, he, he's the minister at Moranbar, but Claremont's been vacant. And so Luke's actually doing ministry at Claremont as well, which is about 40 minutes away, 45 minutes away. Uh, the bishop looks as though after Luke leaves, he'll combine those parishes and BCA are in negotiations as to how we might support someone to go to Moranbar, Claremont, uh, down the track. So anyway, that's just for your prayers for, for Luke and Julia. Any more questions, please ask me at morning tea uh, and I'd be happy to talk. But I want to turn to God's word now, so let me pray for us uh, as we do that. Lord, thank you for my brothers and sisters here. Thank you for the way in which they have grasped the vision. How they have grasped the vision, not just for here, but for beyond Noosa. And I want to thank you for the ministry that they have uh, through BCA, the ministry they have with the Collings family. And Lord, as we turn to your word now, may you open it up to us, open our hearts to your spirit, encourage us, challenge us. But Lord, just make us more like Jesus each moment of the day. And we pray this for his sake. Amen. So here's a bit of an outline of what I'm going to talk about today. Uh, Very, very brief outline, but we'll get to the end. Um, I want to talk about motivation, and particularly the overall theme of my talk today is motivation for mission. You are a mission-shaped church. That's one of your uh, Vision 26 values, if you like. So what does that mean, and what's what's our motivation for mission? Because motivation is a very strange thing, isn't it? I mean, what motivates us? So every time I go to the doctor, the doctor says to me, you are overweight. Do I lose weight? No. Sorry, you can't say no because you don't know. But anyway, um, why not? Well, it's because I don't exercise enough and I like chocolate too much. So I'm really not very motivated about that, am I? But then this week we had some friends come and stay. uh, And uh, they stayed Thursday and Friday nights. So... Before they came, I made their beds, I got the towels out, put them on, I vacuumed the floor, I cleaned their bathroom. Why? Why wouldn't I have just said when they walked in, towels are in there, sheets are there, here's the uh, stuff to clean your bathroom with, sorry. Why was I motivated to do that and yet I'm not motivated to lose weight. Some things motivate us and some don't. I don't know about, about you. What, are you. Are you one of those people who are up, out of bed, 5.30 every morning, down at the beach having a swim or a walk? Is that, you know, what? And, and if you are, what, why? What, what motivates you to do that? Are you the first person in this parish to get their report in for the AGM? <laughs> why? So, I want us to think about that idea of motivation, but what is our motivation for mission? Uh, Why do we want people to know about Jesus? Uh, I mean, you run alpha courses here, you have connect groups, 
Uh, you've got Friday prayer groups. You've got men's coffee mornings. You've got the ladies' conference coming up. You've got Sunday services. What, what motivates you to have these things? Now, I want to say there are lots of things that will motivate us to do those things. But today I just want to talk about one thing, and I think it's the main thing that should motivate us for mission. And it comes from the gospel reading that we had from Matthew 25. Passage before, the the couple of paragraphs before the reading we heard today, Jesus tells two parables. First parable is about uh, the kingdom of heaven being like ten virgins who take their lamps uh, to meet the bridegroom. And five don't have enough oil and five do have enough oil. And Jesus says, be prepared, watch. And then he says, the kingdom of heaven is also like a landowner who goes away and leaves his uh, goods and things in charge of three people. Two of them are good stewards, one is not. So be prepared for when the landowner returns and be good stewards of what you've been given. So that's what Jesus says leading up to the reading we had this morning. They're the preparation for what he says now because what he's about to say is the bridegroom coming. It's the master returning and saying to his servants, how good have you been at looking after uh, my stuff? It's a reading about the end of time. A reading that is very, very simple to understand, but is very shocking. So let's go through those questions that are up on, or those words that are up on the board. Uh, who, who's involved in this picture that Jesus gives in chapter 25, verses 31 to 46? Well, first there's this, this person called the Son of Man, uh, later called the King. Uh, the Son of Man is a term which Jesus often uses of himself. It's a term from the Old Testament book of Daniel. And uh, for the Connect groups, I've asked you to read Daniel 7 and you'll get an idea of what happens there. But for those who are not in Connect groups, basically uh, Daniel 7 is a picture, Daniel's vision of the end of time, the Ancient of Days, God Almighty seated on a throne and the Son of Man comes into his presence and he, the Son of Man, is given by the Ancient of Days all dominion, all authority, all glory, all rule over all people, nations and languages. He's the one who has authority to wrap everything up. We're also told by Jesus that the Son of Man will come with his angels. Now, we're not told much about them, but they're also in the story. And then the third group of people are the nations. When the Son of Man comes with all of his names, with all of his angels, the nations will be gathered before him. Now, the nations is everybody, all peoples. You, me, people at Noosa Civic this morning, people down in Hastings Street having a cup of coffee, those who are at the school, the Anglican school down at Perigian, those who are around when Jesus walked on the earth, those who are going to be around in 60 or 70 years' time, all peoples, all nations, from all time, everyone. That's who in our picture. When does this happen? As I said, uh, it's the end of time. Jesus says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory, and again, looking back at Daniel, that tells us when this is. It's a reference to the end of time. Jesus 
came to earth, he's ascended, and he will return. That's when this is going to happen. So what happens? Verse 32. All nations will be gathered before him. There is no choice. You can't opt out on that day. There will be no place to hide. When Jesus says, gather, then all people from all time will gather. And all nations, we're told, will be separated into two groups. Now, Jesus uses this picture of sheep and goats, and that would have been understandable to those who were there. Uh, They would have known that farmers often had, or graziers often had, sheep and goats grazing together, or they might have said during the day, we're going to separate them because the goats eat different to the sheep and we want them in different paddocks. Whatever it was, they would have understood sheep and goats. It was a commonplace thing. Now, for us, whether you understand sheep and goats, it does not matter. What we need to understand is that there will be two groups. And one group, verse 33, will be put on his right, which is the place of honour, the place of favour, and the other group will be placed on his left, which is the place of dishonour and less favour. And the group on the right, the first word he says is, come. It's a word of welcome. Come, you who are blessed. Come, have an inheritance. Come, receive the kingdom. Not that they're going to be kings. There is one king. But they are assured of a place in this kingdom. And then verse 46 says, and this group will go to eternal life. The group on the left. First word, depart. In fact, they're commanded to depart. Come, be welcome, depart. Blessed, cursed. Destiny is the eternal fire prepared for the devil and all his angels, says Jesus. They're they're being lumped in with the devil. There's no kingdom assurance of being with God. And verse 46, they will go to eternal punishment. So the, the picture is really clear. There'll be a time when Jesus returns as king. He'll have all authority over all people and he will demand that people gather in front of him. And he will split them into two groups. And one group will go to eternal life with God and all his angels, a place of joy and peace and love. And the other group will go to eternal punishment with the devil and all his angels, a place devoid of anything joyful or peaceful or loving. Loneliness, sadness. And that's the end. Sheep go to life for the rest of eternity. Goats go to punishment for the rest of eternity. The end. No right or reply, no appeal, no second chances. That's it. Why? 
On what basis does Jesus do this division? Well, it's a little bit, uh, it, it seems clear, but I, I need to add, uh, get you to look at some other passages in your, or some other verses in our reading. Because it seems like Jesus says, well, you guys have done lots of good things in your life because when I was hungry, you fed me and when I was thirsty, you gave me water and when I was in prison, you came and visited me and you guys didn't do that. So you're going to go there and you're going to go there. It, so is this separation based on what we do in our life? And the answer is no. <laughs> because two things in our passage today. First thing is in verse 34, Jesus says, the kingdom was prepared for the sheep before they were born. So before they even had the possibility of doing anything good or bad, the kingdom was prepared, the place was prepared for them. So their place in heaven is not dependent on how many people they visited or clothed or welcomed. Second thing is their surprise. Did you hear that? When Jesus says, come, blessed. Why, Lord? See, they, they weren't doing these things to earn this. This was just how you lived. As a follower of the king, as a disciple of the almighty. They weren't doing it as a conscious goal of, well, I'm going to get something if I do all these good things. It, it's, it's just, that's what they did. It's evidence of who they were in here. And thirdly, if you look back through Jesus, uh, Matthew's gospel, there's lots of places where Jesus says, faith in me is what saves, not what you have done or are doing in life. So I, I take it that the sheep are those who have trusted in God and lived it out in their life as a response. They're, they're the ones who know that they're saved by grace. What's, what they do in life is not, is not the cause of them being sheep rather than goats. It's, it's the evidence that they are. So that's the picture. And as I said, it's, it's very simple. You read this passage and you go, oh, yep, I can understand that very simply. Here's Jesus, he's the king, it's the end of time. Separate people into two groups based on their acknowledgement of him as the king. That response, how do you see that in what they've done? One group, eternal life, joy, peace, love. Other group, eternal punishment, sadness, loneliness, pain. So, I think... I think I'm getting grumpier as I get older. Um, or, or maybe I'm just getting closer to the end. Or maybe I'm understanding what Jesus has done more clearly. But I read this passage in Matthew and I say, Mike, you've got to stop fluffing around. The time is short. This, this faith stuff that we profess is serious. Jesus is serious. There will be a day, and no one knows when, but it could be today when he's going to come back and he'll do exactly what he says. He will demand that everyone is in front of him and he will go, you there, come. You there, depart. The end. No appeal. 
And, and where will I be on that day? Sheep, goat. Where will my family be on that day? Many of us have family members who don't know Jesus, don't believe in him as Lord and Saviour. Where, where, where will they be on that day? Where will the people on Hastings Street this morning be on that day? People at Noosa Civic. Where, it's serious. Because I know how to make people to become sheep. You've got to talk to them about Jesus and the Holy Spirit's got to work in their hearts so that they acknowledge him as Lord and Saviour. I know that. I know how people can hear the word come and not hear the word depart. And because I know that, I've I, I got to do something about it. I've got to stop dancing around. Now, what it doesn't mean is for my family that every time I see them, I pin them down and I start shoving pages of the Bible down their throat. No. But it also doesn't mean that I don't say anything because <laughs> this is important. We want... I want my loved ones to be with me in this place. I want my mum there. I want my sister there. I want my wife, sister and brother there. And as far as I can see at the moment, they're not. So do I just dance around and go, oh, well, there's plenty of time? No. How motivated am I to tell them the good news? So does this reading of this part of Matthew's Gospel, does, is it like my doctor telling me I need to lose weight? Yeah, 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 it'll happen. Or am I motivated like I was for my friends making their beds, vacuuming the floor? How motivated am I to take every opportunity with my friends and my family to tell them about Jesus because he's coming back. What about you? How does this passage motivate you with your friends and your family? Let me pray. I'm going to pause for a minute. just want you to think about those in your family, those friends you've got who don't know Jesus. And at this present time, they're right at the potential of him saying, depart forever. How might we help them to hear him say, come? Lord Jesus, show us what our motivation is for mission. We say we are mission-shaped. Lord, may that be true. And may we be motivated every day, as if it was the last day, 
to help people understand more about you, to help them come to know you as Lord and Saviour, so that they might hear you say to them, come. Even today, Lord, give us an opportunity and give us courage to take that opportunity to talk to people about you. We pray for Jesus' sake. Amen. The Anglican Church Noosa is an evangelical Anglican church on the northern end of the Sunshine Coast, Queensland, Australia. Our vision is living to love and proclaim Jesus. Our core values are being Christ-centred, Bible-based, Spirit-led and mission-shaped. If you have found this sermon helpful and would like to contribute to the ongoing ministry of ACN, please go to our website, anglicanchurchnoosa.org forward slash giving. Thank you for listening.